Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a place of individual responsibility. It's uh, where we take back our rights because we take back those responsibilities. There's an awful lot of people that are still clamoring to government, you know, trying to get a certain candidate in place to... Set things right, to make things okay again, uh, you know, to bring back whatever normal was before. And uh, what was normal at one time was that there was no king in Israel. And Christ, who was the king in Judea, the rightful king in the Judea, the king that was accepted by a majority of the people in Judea at one time, you know, they praised him as the highest son of David, and they were all shouting it. Now, of course, the people who were in the establishment government did not want him to take office. As a matter of fact, as soon as he took office, they were trying to get him impeached. <laughs> because they didn't like the way he was doing things. And, of course, he was putting the power and responsibility back on the people and he was teaching his ministers, his appointed ministers, not to exercise authority one over the other. As a matter of fact, he even forbid them to exercise authority one over the other. So what kind of a government was Jesus setting up if you can't exercise authority one over the other? Well, it was a government of the people for the people and by the people where the people could govern themselves, but they could not govern anybody else. Now, they, this, that sounds like chaos. It sounds like an anarchy. Well, I mean, there's no rulers. Nobody's ruling over anybody else. But everybody has to rule over themselves in accordance with the moral character of Christ. That's what it means to come in the name of Christ, to come in the moral character of Christ. You know, to love one another, or come to serve, all those crazy things that Jesus was preaching. John the Baptist was preaching. All the prophets were preaching. And most of the people today who think they're Christians and Jews and even Muslims don't seem to have that grasped in their minds and in their hearts because it isn't grafted in their minds and their hearts because they're too busy going about judging everybody else and deciding everybody else is wrong, your religion is wrong, your religion is wrong. And none of them are even practicing pure religion. They're all practicing public religion. And if you don't know what that means, you should have been on the network for the last 10 years because I've been explaining it for the last 20. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to look at some of the minor prophets again. But I've got a lot of things in the news. I just sent out a network uh newsletter uh, that last night i don't know probably pretty late at night and uh it, it was basically saying if things aren't working out for you it's probably your fault i mean and that's one of the things that 
Even if it's not entirely your fault, you need to take the blame for what you have done or not done. Adam tried not taking the blame for what he did, and it really got us kicked out of the garden. If you want back, you're going to have to admit what you did. You know, one of the things that we need to understand is that when we cry out, God is not even going to hear us if we spent the last four years trying to get a new king in charge of the government that we are in or the last generation trying to get certain men to rule over us in a righteous way when what we've been told to do from the beginning to seek the kingdom of God where there is no man between us and God but God. And uh, so we're going to take a look at priesthoods and priests because we're going to take a look at uh, Malachi. And that was one of the things in Malachi that uh, you know most rabbis would probably agree with this is that and one of them actually even said it. Malachi describes a priesthood that is forgetful of its duties. A temple that is underfunded because the people have lost interest in it. And a society in which Jewish men divorce their Jewish wives to marry out of the faith. Well, that's the way he interpreted it. And... uh you know, that's that was a particular rabbi, uh, Gunther Plot, and uh, he was explaining that in his book, and I came across that. But, of course, he, he may be a nice guy and a, a great rabbi, but he doesn't understand the kingdom. He doesn't even understand Malachi because he thinks the references to divorcing their Jewish wives to marry out of the faith is... His perception of that is absolute nonsense. It doesn't have to do with Jewish wives. It has to do with what we call, as a metaphor, the bride of Christ. You know, the bride of Christ is the church. That's that's a metaphor we use, an allegory that we use to describe what the church is. And the church is not some building it's not really even an organization as we would commonly think of most of the churches out there, Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, I don't know, name them all. Uh, the church is the called out. Now, who was the called out? Well, in the wilderness, it was the Levites. And in Christ's early church was the called out ministers, the apostles, the 120 in the upper room, the 70 who became the Sanhedrin of Christ, those were the called out at the time of Christ. Everybody else was called out of sin, but they would not be considered like the Levites, the church in the wilderness. Now, if you go back to early church fathers, what they call early church fathers, I hate hate that term, because we're not to call men of the earth our father, and some of those early church fathers were that they list off, and if you looked them up on Google, they were fathers of the earth. They, I mean, they they worked for the government of Rome. <laughs> and they had some serious moral issues. But they're the ones they quote because they don't want you to hear from the ones that they don't quote because you might actually figure out what Christ was talking about. And they don't want that because they would be out of business. But... uh 
the reality is that it was the people, the Jews, picking strange wives, meaning strange religions, strange denominations that were not of the denomination of God. The same as there is only one common denominator in the church established by Christ, and that is Christ. And the bride of Christ is those ministers of his holy ecclesia that are actually doing what Christ said. And I can go down a long, long list of people who call themselves priests and ministers and rabbis, and they ain't doing what Jesus said, and they ain't doing what uh, Moses said, and they ain't doing what Abraham said, and they certainly ain't doing what Malachi said. So we're going to take a look at Malachi and find out what the tarnations Malachi was talking about. But there are a few other things in the news. I also uh, put out an article which I've expanded over the last week. I originally sent it to the ministers group and then it was suggested that I send it to what we call the PCM group which is the personal contact ministers. If you're on the network you should be picking a personal contact minister. I've added a little bit to the clarification of what a personal contact minister is. Christ commanded that we sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That he commanded that his ecclesia, his disciples who were studying, that's what, that's what disciples means, it means students. They were studying to be the ministers of his kingdom. He said he was going to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees who were not doing what Moses said or Abraham said or all the prophets said. They were actually had a Corbin that was making the word of God to none effect. They certainly weren't practicing pure religion. Uh, they were operating not by faith, hope, and charity, but by force, fear, and uh, fealty. You had to sign up for the temple, and then your offerings were compelled, so they weren't doing the free will offerings we see talked about all over the place in the Old Testament, nor were they doing the charity, which is also a free will offering that they talked about in the New Testament. They were doing the forced offerings, of men who exercised authority one over the other because they all had strange wives. <laughs> they had all uh, created a, a a different kind of priesthood, which is exactly what Malachi was talking about as well. They don't see this because most of the Old Testament is written in allegories and metaphors and the whole language of the Hebrew is in metaphor. And so they can easily misinterpret the Old Testament, the Torah, if they want. And uh, so then they don't have any reason to burn it. But those who begin to receive the Holy Spirit, the Rosh Hashanah, they read the same book and they say, I don't think that's what it means. (laughs) You keep using that book. I do not think it means what you think it means. And, uh, of course, the Essenes read the exact same Torah. They they spoke Hebrew. And uh, they came to a completely different conclusion than the Pharisees and certainly the Sadducees and the Zealots. And, uh, of course, now when I say Essenes, again, we've, we've got, I actually uh, went to some of our pages on the Essenes. We have a number of different things that cover that found a typo on one of them in the coding and fixed that this morning just shortly before the program so we're constantly honing 
this site preparing you so that you can see what was really meant by the Torah and the, and the prophets and uh, prophets like Malachi. And uh, But it still takes some explanation. There's some things that when you write it down, words are subject subject to interpretation and and you can miss it. And uh, we had a discussion on the minister's group about uh, Romans 13 because somebody was debating somebody. And I went back and looked at our book on the higher liberty, which is about Romans 13. And I see I could add more to it. And I've already started a long time ago, haven't finished it, a study guide to go along with that. Because even though you lay it out, that Romans 13, let every man remain subject to the higher power, is actually saying, because that is the definition of the word, let every man remain subject to the higher right to choose. Because the right to choose is given to you by God. And anyone who opposes that right to choose, that liberty to choose, is opposing God. That's what Paul said. That is the way it translates. But then when you get into other verses, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, they can misinterpret it. But they can only misinterpret those verses if they've already misinterpreted what pure religion is. If they've already misinterpreted what the ecclesia was and what it was supposed to be doing. And one of the things that it was supposed to be doing is making the people organize in the tens, hundreds, and thousands so that they can create a daily ministration that operated by free will offerings, which they did back in the days of early Israel and the early church. The modern church takes care of 80 to 90 percent of their social welfare, the needy of their society, the widows and orphans of their society, through the men who exercise authority one over the other. And so therefore they are not practicing pure religion because their religion is spotted by those offerings that are forced from them by the men who exercise authority one over the other, the fathers of the earth, the men who call themselves benefactors, but only give you what they took away from your neighbor, which is not love. Taking away from your neighbor neighbor is a covetous practice. This is so basic in the gospel, no Christian should miss it. But... Most of the people out there are under a strong delusion. They are actually workers of iniquity. They think they are Christians, but they actually love the rewards of unrighteousness, what is also called in another place in the Bible, the wages of unrighteousness, which are all those benefits provided to them by those fathers of the earth, the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority, those men who run and administer the public religion of social welfare through taxation. Social welfare, if you want a free society, all social welfare has to be provided through faith, hope, and charity, through voluntary contributions. Otherwise, you're not going to be free. And if you're slothful in that, sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, you're going to be under tribute. You're going to go back into the bondage of Egypt. You're going to, again, return to the mire 
and uh, to the vomit of the dog. As it says in the Bible, you will be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. New Testament tells you this over and over again. And of course, that is where you're at. Because in the bondage of Egypt, you only owed 20% of your labor to the government. Today, you tell me what you owe to the government. <laughs> now, a lot of people want to deny what they owe to the government. And they just say, oh, the government did it. The government stole my rights away. The government... No. No. For generations now, you've been participating in a system of social welfare. Your churches have become impotent. They don't practice pure religion. They actually tell you it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority. As long as you do to government. Because of Romans 13. <laughs> says we're supposed to obey the government. No, it doesn't say that. And neither does Peter. <laughs> we explain that enough in the book, The Higher Liberty, that you should catch on, and you would catch on, if you could hear God, and God could hear you. But if you're going to keep looking for rulers to exercise authority and fix things, you're not going to see the Holy Spirit you're not going to hear God and you're, and God's not going to hear you. He says, when you cry out, I will not hear you in that day. Why? Because you wanted to have a ruler fix things for you instead of exercise your responsibility. So whatever's going on in the world today that you don't like, it is your fault. That's just the way it is. <laughs> to some degree. But of course, like I always say, Blame is not like pie. No, it's not like pie. You can't cut it up into pieces. You're 100% responsible for what you're doing wrong. And Malachi was trying to tell people what they were doing wrong. Well, the only other thing I want to mention in the news, because I never know who's listening to these shows when I'm broadcasting them or who's going to listen to them, is I also put up a new page called The Science. And... Uh, I probably will get eventually banned on Facebook if it keeps going around, but uh I've tried to tried to get in under their radar a little bit, but the science and I've actually one of the central elements of that particular uh article is a study uh done by a couple of uh very bright intelligent uh scientists professors at the uh, at the University of Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And one of them is Suzuki. I've been in contact with uh, Professor Suzuki. I had to ask him some questions about their study because I read their study backwards and forwards I don't know how many times. And he actually has several other studies that are related to the study that I quote at the article at Preparing You called The Science. And uh, the reality is is that... Uh, People are dying from COVID. 40 million people in America have already received the vaccination. And when I say dying from COVID, I mean dying from the vaccine, COVID vaccine, which is not really a vaccine. It's a biological agent. Uh, it doesn't really meet the legal requirements of a vaccine. And we show that we have very bright people that... Uh, have investigated this. I mean, they were investigating it even before the virus uh, popped up. 
and uh, and we have quotes from him and links to our, uh, things that he has done and and his website and and uh, he he can explain it a lot better than me. So we put it on there so it's there for your uh, to examine to find out. We also mentioned a a blood disease that has shown up. Uh, Dozen people have had extremely severe cases of it right after the vaccination. And uh, normally people who have this disease have almost no visible symptoms. The only way you can really tell if they have it is that you uh, uh, do a blood test. But these people had it so bad, I guess some people have even died from it already. It's uh, thrombocytopenia. But anyway, it's on there, and it's something that happens in the blood, and it's it's a shortage of platelets. And it's usually caused either because of a problem with the bone marrow or a problem with uh, your pancreas, and it lowers the... So, but back to Dr. Suzuki and their study, which we link to on that page. The basically really quick... And there's a lot more there. I have an audio there that you can listen to that goes through it in a lot more detail as well as links to so you can actually read the article. And uh, this is the science. This is a submitted study, uh, finally published, went through all the processes, and it was actually funded by the NIH. And it's telling you that it's imperative that we had animal studies uh, before anybody got this vaccination, they didn't do it. They just said, somebody said, oh, we don't need animal studies for a, a type of vaccine that never, ever, ever passed animal studies because the animals either died or all became infertile. They would have all become infertile probably if they hadn't have died. But the problem with it is the spikes, the protein spikes in these synthetic exosomes that they inject into your muscles and try to get your tissue to replicate can actually cause cells in the host, that's you, to act and alter their natural course of development. It can cause the thickening of the heart wall, which can bring hypertension. This is one of their major concerns because Dr. Suzuki had done research along this line already uh, with COVID patients. Because if you get COVID and you're producing the virus, you're replicating the virus, COVID virus, in your body. While you're doing that, the protein spikes can go about in your body and actually cause a thickening of the walls of your heart certain tissues in your heart, the smooth tissues in your heart. It can also affect your liver. It can also affect your pancreas. It can also affect your lungs. It can also affect your uh, placenta. And uh, and so that's a dangerous thing. But I'll tell you why that's really dangerous when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom. Okay, well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what 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 is going on when the COVID can affect so many different kinds of cells in your body? And all it is, is there are certain spike 
proteins on the surface of COVID. Now, why they're there? Uh, are they naturally there? Did somebody synthesize the original COVID through trans, uh, evection and, uh, and other ways of, uh, uh, reorganizing organisms, you know, and creating genetically modified viruses. Did somebody do that? Well, you can go into that conspiracy theory, and there may be a lot of truth to it. But regardless of that, the reality is is that through numerous autopsies, uh, Suzuki and others were doing these autopsies, they were finding this alteration in COVID patients who died of their heart tissues and they believe in the study refers to liver tissues and of course we know that was affecting the uh, certain cells in your lung tissues Uh, and and, you know I actually even quoted uh, on the page because of the fact that people are having miscarriages you know I I mentioned this uh, Dr. Sarah Baltron Ponce who had a miscarriage three days after she got the vaccine, the injection, the COVID injection, and uh, she lost her baby. And uh, she was a big advocate of vaccinations and getting the COVID injection and all this kind of stuff. Yet, there is clear evidence, you know, the former vice president and chief scientific advisor to Pfizer said that they should, you know, actually he signed a petition along with other doctors trying to get them to stop giving the this injection to anybody who was pregnant, to anybody who desired to become pregnant, or even to anybody who desired to father a child. <laughs> well, that's a lot of people. They made this petition in Europe. And they made this petition way back on December 1st. Because they knew that the protein spikes in this messenger RNA, the BNT162B, could cause an alteration in the uh, placenta that would cause abortions and may even have alterations in the human body so that they become infertile, which, like I said, is a common problem with the uh, cats and ferrets that they tested original mRNA vaccines on. And uh, that's why nobody was able to get one passed for human use. Well, the way they did it this time, they just skipped animal trials, which is why Dr. Suzuki and the other doctors on this study group were saying it was imperative that they start them. I still don't know if they've started animal trials. If they had started it way back when they've had the first test uh, injection, before they even put it on any humans, they should have already started animal modeling. But they just skipped it. If they had started it back then, we would have the preliminary results now. We would know. Should other people get this? we got 40 million Americans who have got it. We've got 250 million Americans to go. But, of course, if we listen to the petition by the 
former president and chief scientific advisor of Pfizer, we would eliminate millions of people. Everybody who ever wished to have a child in their future, (laughs) which is half of the, almost all the women between the ages of 35 and, I'm being generous here, I could start at 40, and one years old, should not get this injection. Every male who ever may want to father a child should not get this injection. According to what I read in this this uh, petition to protect people from the injection, but uh, that was in December, and uh, and this other doctor was getting the injection uh, January twenty eighth because she didn't know she didn't know because CDC isn't telling people. She didn't know because the media isn't telling people. She didn't know because Facebook is censoring people. Google is censoring people. Because they don't want you to know the science. Because that was from the chief scientist. (laughs) And we have other people you can listen to on that page and uh, go through it. But you need to understand it. They are still moving towards forced vaccination. Don't kid yourself. Now, why is this so different? Why is this so important? If you get the virus, most people don't show any symptoms. Maybe 50 to 80% of the people who get the virus don't show any symptoms. They're already immune or almost completely immune. And when they're not showing the symptoms, they're not replicating the virus. It's not getting into their cells. So, therefore, those protein spikes are not going around in their body and touching cells in their heart, cells in their liver. So, they might do some, but the replication process is stopped because you have a good immune system. And so, therefore, when the replication is stopped, those protein spikes are not going to be present in your system. But if you go get the injection... That S1 protein spike is going to be in your system. It's going to be replicating in your system in different muscle tissues, not just the lungs, getting into your blood, going to your liver, going to your pancreas, going to your bone marrow, going to your spleen, going to your lungs, and it may alter you and and your host flesh and create pathogenic responses. This is what the study says. And so, that's not a good deal. You may be poisoning hundreds of millions, billions of people, sterilizing vast areas of the population. You may be. I can't say for sure. Scientifically. Because They never did the studies. They skipped them. They didn't use ferrets and cats. They used human hosts. And this may not show up. This is what they're talking about in the study. Long-term effect. So this little article, The Science, if this doesn't go out to billions of people or the same kind of evidence, you know, Suzuki studies and etc. don't go out to billions of people, 
they may get away with sterilizing half the world's population, which is the goal of people like Gates and Schwab and and a lot of these people that are behind this crazy COVID pandemic, which has never measured up to be in a real pandemic. So you go look at that article. But we're going to get into the real remedy. And of course, the remedy was given to us by Christ thousands of years ago. It was also given to us by Moses and given to us by Abraham and given to us by Enoch. But you don't know what they gave you because there's been people coming along distorting what they said so that you think what they said is not what they said. And so you keep using things like the Torah and the Bible. I do not think it means what you think it means. Well, that's not enough for to convince you. So that's why we have hundreds upon hundreds of audios, hundreds of pages, thousands of footnotes so that you can study and show thyself approved. And one of the first things I need to admit, because I just used that verse right out of the Bible, the word study there is not the normal word for study in the Greek text. That word, to be honest with you, means be diligent. So be diligent to show thyself approved. So even if I tell you the truth, that's not going to do you any good whatsoever until you start implementing the truth in your life in a righteous way. And one of those righteous ways of implementation is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring about one another as much as you care about yourself, caring about your neighbor's rights as much as you care about your rights. If you had been doing that, if everybody saying they're a Christian and a Jew had been doing that for the last 50 years, none of this would be happening today. Because you would not be married to strange wives. You would not be married to the harlot that rides the beast. What's the harlot that rides the beast? That's all the churches and all the daughters of the church that looks to government to provide social welfare for the people while they sit on their golden thrones claiming to be the church. Or their, you know, whatever they're sitting on, driving around their Lexus or their Learjet or whatever. And, and I know a lot of pastors out there don't do all that. I, I remember way, way back, 50 some years ago, I was talking to a pastor and he was showing off his Cadillac. He was driving a Cadillac. It's up in Wisconsin, and it was he was showing all the fancy little gadgets, which are nothing compared to what we have today. And I, you know, I was supposed to be impressed, and I had to get back to work. And finally, I said, "Well," and he wanted to know if I was impressed with his Cadillac. And finally, I said, "I don't know. I thought if an ass was good enough for Jesus, it'd be good enough for you." <laughs> so anyway, he didn't take that to heart probably but uh, I said it just the same but the the reality is is that uh it's the holy spirit that's going to comfort you not your cadillac or your lexus or your audi or whatever it is you're driving around or and we're so far away from the righteousness of god in our day-to-day religious administration uh, it's no wonder we are 
catapulting towards the biggest holocaust in the history of mankind. Uh, it, it is not going to be pretty. For those of you who will not repent and seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of that kingdom. See, that kingdom operates by faith, hope, and charity. It does not elect rulers who exercise authority one over the other. Now, I'm not against you going out and voting and all that stuff if you think that's important. You go ahead and do what you think is right. But I'm telling you what is ultimately the essential of salvation, which is Christ, and adherence to the way of Christ and obedience to Christ. And I'm not the first one to suggest it. And Malachi is on my side. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so we'll take a look at Malachi. The prophecies in Malachi seem to have occurred after Haggai and uh, Zechariah. Around, somewhere around 420 BCE. It's not really 100% clear. But we know it was at least after uh, 516 BCE. And the second return of Nehemiah from Persia which you can find in Nehemiah 13.6. And we have all this at Preparing You, so you can look there and follow along if you want. But uh, I'm just, I just kind of using the, the first page of this study of Malachi as kind of notes so that I don't forget anything or leave anything out. But uh, Malachi has been uh, designated as a Levite member of the Great Synagogue. Now, a synagogue, normal synagogue, is ten families. That's what a synagogue was. And that's, you know, we have we have a page on synagogues, and you can go look that up. And it has footnotes and show you where we got it. And that, Christians and, and Jews have agreed that over the years, although a lot of synagogues today are not ten families, and they don't organize in ten families. They kind of follow the way of the modern church and churchanity. But uh, the Hebrew word of Malachia, Malachi, uh, signifies my messenger or messenger of Yahweh. So that's what Malachi supposedly means. And it's probably not his name. It's, it's the name in the book of Malachi. But uh, it's basically saying the book of the messenger of Yahweh. The, those are some things that we've talked about that when looking at some of the other minor prophets. That these words, and, and you know, People think, well, no, that's his actual name, and they want to argue that point. But, you know, we've had this discussion. We have a whole section on names. I should put a link in there so that you can go to that from that page. You know, because people think uh, you got to say Yeshua, not Jesus, and all this. But the reality is that you know, we talk about Indian names. The Indians had all kinds of different names. And they they would have one name at birth, and they would have another name as they got older. You know, like there was an Indian by the name of Stinking Riding Blanket. I always thought that was an interesting name. That was a complimentary name because that meant he was a really good rider. Because he, I mean, he could run a horse, and he, he you know, the his saddle blanket. His blanket, because he probably didn't have a saddle, but the blanket upon which he rode, which might or might not be strapped onto the the horse, was always full of sweat because he was he was a big rider. He was riding everywhere. So, but he wasn't given that name at birth. He was given that name because of what he did, and 
that's the same way. Malachi may have had a real, been a real person, but he was given the name Malachi because the people considered him to be a messenger of Yahweh. So it may be a real name, but it wasn't necessarily the name he was born with. But on the other hand, the way God works, maybe somebody did give him that name at birth. And it does mean something. I know that when we picked the names for our children, we tried to pick names that would meant something. We looked at the definitions of names when we gave it to them. And uh, I won't go through it all here, but uh, most of those names fit. <laughs> Pretty good uh, with our, the character that our children developed into. Getting past that, that Malachi was this messenger... And therefore, he was literally an angel of God because the word angel means messenger. And uh, we also have the name Ezra, which is that meaning of, you know, the hand of my angel might be a scribe who is writing the messages of God. And so that's that's where you get a name like that. So anyway, we should also mention that the term angel, like I said, is a messenger from a spiritual realm. So how do you get connected to that spiritual realm? Well, you don't do it by picking kings. <laughs> that doesn't get you closer to the spiritual realm. It actually starts cutting you off from the spiritual realm so that God can't hear you and you can't hear God um, because you want to rule over your neighbor. These are principles. I'm going to slip them in from time to time as we go through this uh, whole process of looking at Malachi. But his writings were recognized, uh, like I say, as as uh, the writings of a messenger of God. And though, like I say, the word Ezra really just means to help. And one of the ways to help is to write these things down so other people can read them. They couldn't, you know, put it all on Memorex or a... CD or a DVD or whatever. Uh, so Ezra would be somebody who helps as a messenger of God. And then it, down here on the section, I, I again mention this rabbi who says Malachi describes a priesthood that is forgetful of its duties. So what is the duty of the priesthood? What was the function of the temple? And we have yeah, actually on the page, there's links there to the word temple, there is a link to the priesthood. What is that priesthood? And he also finally says that, at least he talks about in his full writings, I didn't quote it all here, is that there is this, uh, uh, if they Malachi, if they listen to Malachi and they return to the priesthood and the uh, temple, the purposes of the temple, that this would also return the people to a respect of parent and child relationships. So how in the world would a proper priesthood and a proper creation of the temple and function of the temple return children to their parents and parents to their children in a a relationship of mutual respect? Well, hopefully by the time we get to this little series on Malachi, you'll understand it. But uh, being a proper parent required that the fathers of the family shoulder all the power, potestas, we've talked about that before, and responsibilities 
of being that natural father and have not taken some of those responsibilities of a natural father and bestowed them upon some ruler or leader. And of course, we've explained that. And we have a link there. I do have the link there to our article on fathers because Christ said, call no man on earth father. He was not actually seen people who are deciphering that saying that we're not to call our own natural father's father <laughs> which is the direct opposite he's talking about the fathers of the earth the patronuses the of the earth uh, and this is something that all patriots should understand is that you can be a patriot to your nation in other words a father of your nation by being elder to your family because that's what an elder is an elder is the the uh, highest father of a family if you're giving the authority and responsibilities of the family to the government then the government is becoming the father of the family you're giving your protestas your right to choose your responsibility to the state so that now you're going to have the state take care of your children like educate your children public school or, or give you free education, not only for first grade, second grade, all the way up to twelfth grade, but we will now give you, with this new regime, free education into the college. We will pay that. <laughs> of course, they don't pay for anything. They just simply take away from your neighbor through the covetous practices of governments that exercise authority one over the other. Which, of course, is the antithesis of the way of Christ, which is the way that most modern Christians have gone. Because they're not really following Christ any more than you've been following the science. And because of that, doctors have ended up losing their children. Women are losing their children. People are bleeding in their mouth because they're not following the science. They're following the media who has a bully pulpit in the minds of the people because they can hear the media, but they can't hear God because they've already rejected God and not gone His way, which is a way of faith, hope, and charity. They have chosen the way of force and fear and fealty so that they could get the wages of unrighteousness, free school, take care of my parents, health care, All these wonderful benefits that have delivered them back into the bondage of Egypt. So unless you repent of thinking that way and start thinking the way of Christ, you're pretty much on your own. (laughs) And God's not going to hear you. And he's... And when you cry out, and there's a lot coming in the world today that might make you cry out. We're not going to get off track and into that area, but it there is a serious problem with the way in which people are operating in the world today and uh, functioning in the world today that is altering and degenerating the character of the people. Remember, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not sodomy. The sodomy was the evidence of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah in the time of affluence, they did not strengthen the poor. And we've been affluent in America for a long time And the people are very poor in the ways of the Lord. So we'll get into chapter 1 when we return to keys of the kingdom of Malachi. Going through the study at preparingyou.com. 
Be right back. God bless. Well, welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. Well, during the break, I added those links to that original Malachi page. But uh, I also wanted to mention one other thing which I put down at the bottom of that page uh, just this morning. I I expanded our page on priests so that you would understand what priests are because Malachi is about the priesthood forgetting its duties. So understanding what the duties of a priest is, uh, is and it is much deeper and much different than what most people think today. I've known a lot of priests in my life. And most of them haven't got a clue what a priest's duties are because they have a different kind of religion that is void of the gospel of the kingdom of God. I mean, they they quote the Bible, but it doesn't mean what they want you to think it means. It means something else. And one of the the other articles that I included in that, it's it, you can actually, you'll come across it in the article on priests, but I also put it up a standalone article, which is, Close of service. Because we see that phrase in, um, I think it's in Exodus most of the time. It's all throughout Exodus. It's usually in reference to Aaron. And uh, this idea of clothes of service was, you know, as soon as I saw it, it just jumped out of me. It's like the breeches. You were supposed to sew the breeches of the Levites. And uh, that means we, if you're, you're spo- you were supposed to make their underwear... Uh, well, no, if you, if you're unfamiliar with that, you'll have to go read our article on breaches and find out what, why the people were, only the people could sew the underwear of the Levites. Has nothing to do with underwear. <laughs> it has nothing to do with linen cloth. These are all metaphors trying to explain the nature of this office of priesthood. And of course, of course, this close of service is really explaining the same thing. And, uh, I really should just do a whole program just on that. I will never get through Malachi. But basically what they're telling you with this phrase, close of service, in reference to Aaron, is that Aaron was to operate by faith, hope, and charity and not by force, fear, and fealty. That meant that the choices of charity, the free will offerings they mentioned all over the place in the Old Testament, were to be voluntarily given by the elders of families. You know, the family got together and they took up a collection in the family, because the family could be a grandfather who's 80, 90 years old, who has sons, and they're all married and they have sons and some of their sons have sons. That was a family. And they tithed to their father, the oldest father of their family. And he tithed to the church. Because he was the elder of that whole family. He was the oldest. As soon as he died, all his sons became elders of similar congregations. You know, of, of families. They became a part of a family. So if that were the case, when you sat down in tens, elders sat, heads of families sat down in tens, that family included all his married sons and unmarried daughters. 
It could be 50 people. That one elder in a congregation of 10 represented, could represent 50 people. And so 10 elders like that could represent hundreds of people. We've gone so far away from these basic concepts that when I say 5,000 men and their families, like it says in the Bible in Mark, when it talks about the loaves and fishes, it might not just be talking about 30,000 people. It might be talking about 100,000 people. Because men and their families meant elders and their families. The eldest man of a family. That's the way it operated because life was hard. And you needed family to survive. There was no social security except for what your children provided or the church provided for those whose families broke down. You know, maybe you had four sons and they would have taken care of you, but they died in battle saving the nation. Well, the nation now will take care of you in your old age. But what the Pharisees did was they turned this into a system of Corbin where you force the offerings once you signed up and they would take care of the parents which allowed the sons to do no more aught for their parents because they didn't give the money to the eldest father of their family. They gave it to the Levites or to the ministers of the temple and they redistributed it. Now, this is very important to eventually understand if you go read the article, you know, Close of Service, or the article on Priests, which will include all this same information. You will see that the word Close of Service has nothing, nothing whatsoever to do with close <laughs> or service. You know, it's actually taking, you know, some particular, very particular words. And that are, uh, you know, like the word porter actually means a gatekeeper. And it, it's a particular word, chen vav ian resh. And, uh, and, and the word that we see translated into clothes is actually a word that, uh, can actually mean treacherous or deceitful. Same word. Same letters. How in the world do you get to say, <laughs> Same word, same letters, meaning, that means close in this particular, not the regular word for close, but just in this particular situation, it can mean de- deceitful. And, and, and the word for service is not the regular word for service that you find in, in those verses in relationship to Aaron. It's actually a word that means plated or braided. And that actually plays to understand some of the words that are used in the New Testament that are translated braided or or translated words from a word that means braided is actually because when they're trying to translate Hebrew from the Greek to the Greek, they miss stuff because everybody who by the time they were translating the Bible, uh, the King James Bible, they were already in, in terrible apostasy and they didn't understand what these words meant. Like Shinresh Delet. That a word Shinresh Delet, which is, is where they get, uh, this word that is plated and braided work. 
it uh which also is it, it by itself it only appears once in the bible and um, and uh, it it mean it was translated remained but it actually means escaped or survive but that same exact shinresh delet is what we see translated into service which means plated or braided so how does a word that means to escape or survive end up becoming service we just look at the letters and understand you have to think in concepts instead of in this remember the letter killeth only the spirit giveth life so in order to understand the spirit you have to understand that shin has to do with the eternal flame of a revelation revelation is when god speaks to you in your heart and your mind god speaks to you in your heart and your mind when you listen to god if you don't listen to god you're not going to hear God. You're going to lose the ability to hear God speaking to you in your heart and your mind and somebody will be able to lead you away from righteousness into unrighteousness and where you could end up being consumed and destroyed, which is also a part of that same word, shin. Depending on which way you're going, you're either going towards the righteousness of God or away from it. Now, the word resh has to do with process of clarification. It is also, you know, like when you see uh, Sar, uh, which is Shin, Resh, Resh, that has to do with authority over authority. Well, the authority that God gave you is Shin, Resh. The authority you give to government is Shin, Resh, Resh. Because you're giving somebody else uh, the power to make choices for you. You're taking your right to choose, your liberty, and giving that power to choose for you to somebody else. Not realizing that the power of choice is what makes you a man. And when you give up that power of choice to others, you become a thing. You become merchandise. Any process that takes the choice out of the hands of the individual without his free choice each time he makes that choice makes a man less a man. Well, the last letter in that is delet, which is like the delta in the Greek. Delet is selflessness. It actually means charity. So the shin resh delet that we think has to do with survive... It, when it appears as the 08277 Hebrew word in the Bible, or as 8278, as plated and braided, has to do with this weaving of charity into society. You are supposed to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, and one of the ways you do that is you give charity you not only have the right to, as to when and how much charity you give, you have the right to who you will delegate the authority of that charity to. And this is a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. A democracy is a government of the mob. It's not a government of and for and by the people, especially when your welfare is provided through men who exercise authority. If that is the case in your nation, Australia, South Africa, uh, France, Italy, Sweden, Switzerland, wherever, if your welfare in your nation is not provided by free will choice on a day-to-day basis, You ain't free. 
you ain't a Christian. You ain't a Jew who believes in the teachings of Moses because both Moses and Jesus Christ said to love your neighbor as yourself, not covet your neighbor's goods. They both preached against covetous practices as well as the apostles like Peter and Paul and James. You are not to be coveting your neighbor's goods. You all are doing that through the agency of men who exercise authority. You have all at one time or another abandoned the ways of God. And so all the evil that is coming upon you is your fault. Because you didn't understand what the metaphor, idiom, clothes of service or breaches, what that really meant. But anyway, if you go to those articles on priests... Uh, which is linked from the Malachi page now. You can, you can read that and study that. But we're in Malachi 1, so laying that groundwork will be very helpful for you to understand the nuances of what Malachi is writing down as a Ezra of the Lord, as a helper of the Lord. He starts off, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. What are the dragons of the wilderness? I'm not even going to tell you. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places up. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever and your eyes shall see and ye shall say the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel remember Israel is a place where God prevails God was not prevailing at this time and Malachi was talking about the burden of his word the word there that we see translated burden of the word is this Massa. there was actually two forms of this word there, there was also uh, Nun Shen Elif. The Nun has to do with one of the ways to remember that. I always remember the Nun is with a fish, and what the fish swims in the water. The Mem always has to do with the water, the flow of the water. Even if you go back to that word that means braided, that has that is incorporated into the idea of the flow and. You'll see that if you go through that study. I'm just not going to touch on all of it because it gets too distracting. But basically, this burden that is mentioned there, the same word that is translated burden, and it's translated burden most of the time, over 50 times it's translated burden. But it's also translated song. Isn't that funny? Translated song? The word burden translated song? Or prophecy? Or set? But it's also translated at least one time tribute. Now there's an entirely different word that is, not entirely different, but a different word that is normally translated tribute. But he's talking about his burden. You see, in the kingdom of God, the tribute you pay, you tax yourself. 
you choose to give yourself. The more you give according to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit will lead you. I'm not one of these preachers that say, oh no, just run up to the altar and throw money at the altar, you know, like I've seen preachers do. <laughs> or you write a big check and you give me lots of money and I drive around in my fancy Cadillac. No, no. The purpose of the tribute in the kingdom is to practice pure religion, to take care of the needy of society through a daily ministration of faith, hope, and charity. But it is the tribute that you give. The tithe that you give is a tribute. And it is your responsibility to know who to give it to. If, you know, we, we hear about these ministers who are doing all kinds of evil and wicked things, and people have been supporting them, and sometimes we catch them doing evil, wicked things, and the people continue to support them. Because they want to say, well, he's a man of God. What they don't want to say is, I screwed up. I was given to the wrong guy, and it's my fault. They don't want to admit their error. They don't want to confess their error, so they keep giving to the wicked men of the world. Or they keep trying to elect men to the world to be the power to fix things for them. Instead of do the simple thing that Christ said to do, which is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start caring about one another so that I can care about you. Start hearing the cries of one another so I can hear your cries. That's the way it works. You can't change that. You can change it in your head, but then you need to repent of that kind of thinking. So he's talking about a burden. And remember, this whole thing started with, according to that rabbi, is that they were not giving in the temple. They had lost interest in the temple. Well, they had lost interest in the temple because they had set up another way of doing it through forced contributions to co-opting your right to choose into somebody else's hands. You know, setting up a temple, not according to the ways of the ancients, but according to the way of the unrighteous. A temple that was built of stones rather than living stones of righteousness. So anyway, so the, the borders of wickedness is the works of iniquity. The works of iniquity include the desire for the wages of unrighteousness that will bring your nation to waste. It will not only make you merchandise, it will curse your children with trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. You guys are already there because you already have a strange wife called Social Security or National Insurance or whatever. That is your religion. Those are the ministers of those systems are the ministers of your soul. But you belong to them and not you are in debt. You are surety for the debt that they are creating because they are borrowing money against the future of your children to provide all these wonderful benefits not provided by taxes. The taxes are only to pay the interest. Because you haven't kept the Sabbath, because you borrowed against the future instead of working first and then enjoying the labor that you produced. You borrowed against the labor you were going to do tomorrow so that you could have benefits today. And usually that means your children are going to have to pay for your self-indulgent wantonness and lasciviousness. So, yeah, you have a strange wife. You married FDR and LBJ and all these other people. 
<laughs> that were offering you benefits at the expense of your neighbor and your preacher said, now oh, that's okay. That leaves more money so I could buy my Cadillac. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, verse 6. A son honoreth his father and the servant his master. Who's your father? Well, of course, you have your natural dad, but if you're the elder of a family, your natural dad is dead. And now you're the elder of the family. And who is your father? Isn't the father in heaven? Aren't we all children of God in that way? Absolutely, that's what we should be. But we don't pray to our Father in Heaven for our daily bread. We pray to our Father in Washington, D.C. or Melbourne or wherever your Father is located. And He will send you your benefits. And your kids don't have to take care of you. You We have an elderly lady that we take care of here. We check on her pretty much daily and make sure she has firewood and and that she's okay and try to, you know, pick up groceries for her and all that stuff. Her daughter, who lives just a few miles, well, more than a few miles away, lives where my son works and my son comes home. But uh, she hasn't visited her mother in two years. Not just because she uses COVID as an excuse now. She was actually up here in the town just, just the other day. She didn't come by and visit her mom. We go by and visit her mom, but oh no, COVID, I can't come there. She does no more ought for her mother. She does. Social Security is supporting her mother, not the children. So how in the world will children have respect for parents or parents for children if the state, the father of the state, is taking care of those children, of those parents and of those children? It's... We we have gone the wrong way. And it's your fault and your parents' fault. And the fact is, is unless you repent and see that, it's not going to get any better. So, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. Are you honoring God by entering into agreements with men who exercise authority one over the other to provide the benefits of your society to provide the public religion of your society? No. No. You've abandoned the ways of Christ. You go to your churches and you sing your songs, but not the, uh, not the burden that <laughs> Malachi is talking about, where you take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. You are taking care of one another exactly the opposite way that Christ said to do it. Because he said you were not to be the ways of the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You're supposed to be the way of Christ who take care of one another through love, through charity. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Now I know that's a lot different than what you've heard before and a lot of you are going to say, well, I don't, well we can't, well, I, I, I. no, you have to do it this way. Repenting is a process. Turning around and going the other way. And if I be a master, where is my fear? He says, you know, go back here. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? Well, you know, honor thy father and thy mother. You know, what does that mean? That word honor means to fatten, to take care of. That's what, it doesn't mean to go to bed 
at nine, when they tell you to go to bed at nine, it means to take care of them, provide for them. And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priests that despise my name, my character. I can see, I can go back here and put <laughs> links on all the, put a link on names, you can go to the article on name, put a link on priests, you can go to the article on priests. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. What are they talking about? They're talking about the Corbin of the Pharisees, where their sacrifice is polluted because it is given, you know, it is given by force, not by charity, not by love. That's the pollution of the world. You were escaped from that. Malachi's people were going back to it too. We keep going back to the idea that it's okay to force the contributions of the people so that we can get free bread, free education, free health care. That's polluted. That's the wages of unrighteousness. And that is not the altars or the way of Christ. So it says, ye offer polluted bread upon my altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. That's why they're not going back to that. They, they're doing their own thing. And it probably wasn't as bad as it is today. But anyway, we'll start up in verse 8 when we come back to keys to the kingdom. And uh, find out why people are so blind. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we're in Malachi 1, and we were down to verse 8, and I added a lot of those links during the break. <laughs> so, anyway, the uh, verse 8 starts out, And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts, and now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Regard your persons. Is God a respecter of persons? <laughs> Let's go back to to the blind and the uh, the lame and the sick. Is it not evil? They're, they're talking about. He's using a metaphor here that if you give a sheep that is blind or a sheep that is lame or a sheep that is uh, sick, and say that as an offering to God, you know, to be sacrificed on the altars of God. That is not good. He says, try giving that to your governors. Now, we we could look into the word governors there. But basically, you know, try to pay your debts with that. You know, you promise somebody, I'm going to give you two sheep. If you plow my field, he plows your field. And you give him one sheep that's blind and the other one that's got a broken leg. Is he going to accept that? No. Well, these again are metaphors. 
if you think the altars of God, and I put a link there to so you can understand the altars of God are not piles of dead stone, but the altars of God is is living men. A gathering of stones is a gathering of men. That's uh, that's the way it was in the beginning. The Pharisees got it wrong. The Essenes got it closer to right. Christ got it spot on. <laughs> and the apostles were living stones. Okay? Lively stones. And the what you gave them was laid upon the altar of God. The same as it was in early Israel. If you give them junk, God will not be pleased. If you give wisely and rationally God will be pleased which means you have to not only choose what to give but who is the best minister to give it to who does the job the best because when you're giving that gift you're setting the table of the Lord these are your pure offerings, freely given. That's part of the purity. Remember, pure religion is when your offering is spotted by the world. The world is the constitutional order in government. If the government of the world is doing 50% of the charity in your congregation, your congregation is nowhere near practicing pure religion. Your congregation is practicing impure religion. So, we have to understand these metaphors. So, regarding that person, Second Chronicles 19.7, Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Notice how they get that taking of gifts. Proverbs 28.21 To have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread, again that bread shows up. Again these are metaphors. That man will transgress. It's a transgression to provide the welfare of the people to covetous practices. Because in the commandments it says, Thou shalt not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. But when you want benefits that come by way of the expense of your neighbor through forced offerings, you're transgressing not only against the commandments of God, against Christ himself and all the apostles. Acts 10.34 Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth... I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Go read that whole, the verses around Acts 10.34. Romans 2.11 For there is no respect of persons with God. You You don't get a title. You don't get to say you're the church. You don't get to say you're a minister of God unless God says you're a minister of God. That's why I wrote on our YouTube page, Went and changed the name a little bit there, according to some suggestions by one of our ministers. And uh, I changed the description of the page, saying that His Holy Church is just a phrase. It's, it's really about men who are striving to be His Holy Church. We're only His Holy Church if He says we're His Holy Church. But I can tell you this, He will not say you are His Holy Church if you are workers of iniquity. 
And now you should have a little bit of an idea what the workers of iniquity look like. The ones who are absolutely content and coveting their neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority are the people who are absolutely opposed to the word of Christ. They're not doing what Christ said, what Jesus said. He said it was not to be that way with you, and it is that way with you. Ephesians 6, 9. And ye masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Yeah, you might be in authority over somebody, so you can tell them to do this or do that, but if you don't do it righteously, God will see that. You may take... See, America has been taking care of the poor more than probably any other country in the world. You see all this foreign aid going out there supposedly taking care of the poor... They're not getting any credit for that. Because they're not doing it righteously. They're doing it through forced offerings. And of course now, you know, most of the foreign aid doesn't actually get to the people who need it. Grafting corruption in these foreign countries just gobble it right up. There's a whole, there's a whole machinery of this. It's how they are able to implement this COVID pandemic worldwide is because all these people are beholding to the people who pull the purse strings. There's a lot more going on. I, I could just go on and on and on about what's going on behind the scenes, what businesses are being bought up to be shut down, what's happening to your food supply, what's happening. It, it, it's, it's this, it should, it should just absolutely scare you to death. <laughs> but I'm not interested in scaring you to death. I'm trying to awaken you to life. And that is to go the way of Christ. One of the things I pointed out in the message I sent well, saying it was your fault to the network. The fact that it's your fault that we are in this situation, that you are in this situation today, it's your fault. That's good news. Because you can do something about you. You can't do much about George Soros or the Illuminati or Q or any of these other guys. You can't do much about any of these people. But you can do a lot about you. So knowing that it's your fault, all you have to do is repent, think differently, and seek the kingdom of God by doing some of those things that Christ commanded us to do. And stop doing some of those things that Christ commanded you not to do. And God commanded you not to do. And Malachi said not to do. Colossians 3.25 But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respecter of persons. The same is true for the he who doeth right. But he has to do his right because he loves righteousness. Doing what is right because you fear God, that's a start. But ultimately you have to do it because you love God. You love the name of God, the character of God. James 2.1 My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons? Well, if you have the faith of Christ with respect of persons, that's different than having a respect of persons. Okay? James 2.9 goes on to say, But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit a sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Well, you are transgressors because you've made men authorities over your choice. 
You have given them the office to choose for you. You have created offices of power and men who seek power have now seized those offices. And I can tell you what's going to go on behind the scenes and and eventually going to happen to those people. But that is not going to help you. What's going to help you is that you repent and do things differently than create offices of power. You instead create offices of service by taking on the role of servant in congregations of tens, hundreds, and thousands. Your minister is not a ruler over you. He does braid and decide what to do with the offerings that you give him. But you get to exercise authority as to whether you're going to give him offerings tomorrow. And that is self-governing. From the bottom up. But it will only work for you if you are making those decisions with the Holy Spirit writing upon your heart and your mind. You're not going to get to the point where the Holy Spirit, you, maybe the holy emotion will be writing on your heart and your mind. But the Holy Spirit will not be writing on your heart and your mind unless you're walking in forgiveness. And forgiveness has the word give in it. So you, it, that's the way of testing your forgiveness is whether or not you're willing to take care of the needy of your society. Including those that may have done you wrong. That you have to become this grantor. You know, God doesn't just wipe out everybody doing wrong. There would be none of us left. So you can't just write off everybody who does you wrong. You have to learn to love your enemy as yourself. That's quite a strain. Anyway, First Peter one seventeen. And if ye call on the Father, meaning the Father in heaven, who without respect of persons, because we know the fathers of the earth have great respect of persons. Well, they, they kind of do. They're kind of going crazy now. They don't seem to have a respect of anybody. <laughs> but they do have a chain of command, exercising authority one over the other. So that's respect of persons. Who without respect of persons, your Father in heaven, judges according to every man's work. Past the time of your sojourning here in fear. And that fear means to respect. Now, Peter just said, every man's work. James says the same thing, and actually Paul even says it, but the modern church says, oh, you, know, you don't have to do anything, you just think a thought and you're automatically saved. Not so. It doesn't work that way. You're not saved by your works. But if you don't have works, it's obvious that you don't have faith. Because faith is probity. It will compel the works of man. So verse 10. Who is there even among you that would shut the door for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the same... My name shall be great amongst the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name. This is a good place to put links because I have an article on incense. What is this incense, this sweet savor? What makes it sweet savor and what makes it not sweet savor? 
And he goes on to say, a pure offering, pure religion. Religion, remember, is how you take care of the needy of society. It, based on that quote alone, but the definition was the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. And your duty to your fellow man, according to God, is to love your neighbor as yourself. So a pure offering means one that is freely given, not forced. A forced offering is not a pure offering. For my name shall be great amongst the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts, but ye have profaned it. He's talking to Israel. Because they're not doing it the way a lot of other nations were doing it at that particular time, although they weren't all doing it. But uh, sometimes you'll find more charity amongst the Gentiles than you would find amongst the Pharisees. But ye have profaned it, in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. He said also, Behold, what weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, what what is he talking about? They... They were weary of this system. This is how they got a king to begin with. They were weary of the system where the responsibility was on them. And the fruit on them. Why did Jesus take the kingdom away from the Pharisees? Because they were not bearing fruit. How do you bear fruit with your sacrifice? You only bear fruit when it's freely given. You do not bear fruit when it's forced. As a matter of fact, when you force, when you become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others and institute that rule of force, you will be degenerated. You will be weakened. You will see the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah ended up showing all these other perversions is because you had already perverted the very fundamental character of God, which is to care about others as much as you care about yourself. You have to be granting the right to choose to others, not taking it away if you want the right to choose back. Well, most of the people aren't going to give up their right to choose for you. So you have to gather together with other people who are willing to grant you the right to choose in their own hearts. I mean, God grants you that right, but they have to, in their hearts, make allowances for your right to choose. Well, the amazing thing, as soon as you start gathering people in congregations, people start coming out and saying, oh, well, you can't choose to think this way. You can't choose to think that way. You have to think the way I think. You gotta think about the Trinity. You gotta think about this. You gotta think about that. Because they, it, their religion is what they think. But religion is not what you think. It comes from the word threskia. It, it means what you do. Your religion has to be doing the word. You, you can't just say, Lord, Lord. You have to be doers of the word. When you're doers of the word, something different takes place. So anyway, going back to verse 13, ye said, also behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. This is what you've done. You're not doing it by charity. You were weary of charity. You said, let's get the government to do it. And ye brought that which was torn 
and the lame and the sick, you're all trying to get out of your income tax now because now your government takes and takes and takes and takes and you don't like it, so you're going to cheat. Jesus says, stop cheating. If you owe the tax, pay the tax. But turn around your thinking and start doing it through righteous means, through charity, through love, not through force. You're trying to force your doctrines, not the doctrines of Christ, your doctrines. While not doing, not sacrificing, not taking care of one another out of love. Thus ye brought an offering, should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord. But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful amongst the heathen. God knows your heart. Why, if, can you, America used to do this when America was great. Americans had choice. And they chose to take care of the needy of their society. They chose, you know, there were selfish people. But like I say, in capitalism, selfishness is a choice. It remains a choice. In socialism, that choice is gone. You can't choose to be selfish. They're going to take away your share. You know, and if you tried to cheat, they'll throw you into jail and beat you and do whatever they want to do with you. But the reality is that in the kingdom of God, you have this choice. In capitalism, you have a choice to be selfish or not. Well, if you're selfish in the kingdom of God, you will fail. You will become dry bones. Now, if you want to... Now you're in this valley of dry bones. If you want those bones to have flesh on them, they have to come together. Then the flesh comes on to them. And then there is a second breathing into that flesh and bones when it stands upright and does what's right. You're not doing that. Some of you are still out there trying to get a different king. Oh, if we only had this king, we'd be okay. No. If you only did what Christ commanded, you might be okay based on God's grace. But you're not even going to get God's grace if you keep running after kings and strange wives. These strange religions that say that if you just believe what we say to believe, you're saved automatically. No, you're not. (laughs) So anyway, we got down to the end, but I still have comments over there on the side. And that's where I talk about that nun shun el. LF and they, those are live links and it'll take you to the actual definition. Actually, some of them aren't as live as they should be. I'll have to fix that too. But we have a link on articles on tribute and everything so you understand. You either give tribute through free will offerings and the perfect law of liberty or you give, give tribute through forced offerings because you want benefits at the expense of your neighbor. One system leads to liberty under God. The other system leads to tyranny and bondage. And you've been following the wrong one for generations now. And now evil is coming upon you like a thief in the night. There is a burden with the law. But the burden is light, according to Christ. We need to understand how light that burden is. He says, that's in Matthew 11.30. You know, for my yoke is easy. 
That's where you need to go. Verse 10, as I said, is is not talking about actual fire burning up sheep on piles of dead stone, but kindle the fire on my altar because the altar was not about burning things up. It's about the fire in your heart. The kingdom of God is within you. When the kingdom of God is within the elders and within the ministers, then God will be there with you. And so I have a little section there, and I could probably add more. The sacrifices of the altars of clay and stone. Altars of clay, that you're, you're the clay. The people are the clay. The Adama. And, and the stones are those men who have accepted the responsibility of the Levites, accepted the responsibility of the ministers of Christ to follow his directives, his limitations, his, his, uh, commands. One of his commands is to make you guys sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands before there's a daily ministration of, of faith, hope, and charity. And a lot of you have wasted time by not doing that. But it's, you've wasted your time. I've been busy. <laughs> so anyway, and I'm going to be busier, evidently. But... uh uh you have to realize these are allegories and, and metaphors. And if you unmoor the metaphor, you'll think that, oh, we have to sew the underwear of our ministers, you know, of your, or that we have to believe in the Trinity. You don't even know what the Trinity is. And they tell you that. You don't know what it is, just believe in it. No. You, you don't know what God is, you just believe in it. No, you have to be a doer of the Word. And in doing what God says, he will manifest himself more and more and you will have greater and greater understanding and greater and greater relationship with God. Not with emotions. The Holy Spirit is not an emotional event. A lot of people think, oh, I could feel the Spirit. And they're actually just conjuring up a feeling. Holy Spirit listeth where it will. If you're not laying hands, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So anyway, and we are all human. We're all failing. Uh, and it's our fault. But if we repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if we turn around our thinking and go the other way, if we seek to live by faith, hope, and charity according to the perfect law of liberty through the practice of pure religion, God will run out and meet us halfway and we will need God to face the calamities that are coming upon us. So anyway, next time, maybe this afternoon, we'll start with Malachi 2 and see what he has to say there and see if we can't tie these all these chapters together in Malachi. And then maybe we'll go on to Micah. I really like to go on to Micah. You know, the cauldron of flesh. That's where you're at now. But until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www. 
www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.